Are you ready to explore how people coordinate to build and empower your community to take action and solve problems to coordinate without any central authority? What? Bring in the OGs of the pre-crypto decentralized coordination space together with the pioneers of the cutting-edge technologies to fuse their ancient knowledge with the latest tools in order to fight coordination failures, slay Moloch and continue the endless search for the holy grails of decentralized coordination. Welcome to the front lines of coordination. Fuck. My brain is already melting. I hope you survive. Welcome, David. Thank you. Good to be here. How are you? How are you doing today? Uh, doing fine. You know, it's got a few different things going on. Uh, trying to get this book out there, which has always not been uh, the thing I was looking forward to. I enjoyed writing this book, uh, but getting the word out is, you know, was never why I did it in the first place. So kind of reluctantly doing things like that but it's it's connecting me with a lot of interesting people so i've enjoyed that and uh moving forward some work in social impact space and with converge and and then getting more into the kind of dao and web3 ecosystem seeing how i can contribute there so a lot of different threads and trying to piece it all together all right that's uh that's already a, a good intro which is going to be my next question. And the book you were talking about is the Impact Networks or the new one that you're, that's underway? Yeah. All right, cool. Happy to give you yeah, more of an intro about my background. What are you interested in knowing? I'm about 60% into the books. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you on because, uh, yeah, I just found about you like a, a month ago when I was added to that uh, DAO Stewards group. And... Uh, yeah, I'll just let you intro that, and uh, but yeah, you can start with uh, a bit more about uh, yourself. Sure. Yeah, I've been basically working in decentralized organizing uh, for the last ten years, and really focus on the social impact space. So you know, helping multiple organizations and sectors come together and work together on big, complex social and environmental issues. You know, things like. How do you steward or support you know, a million acres of land? There's not any one organization who can do it alone because these landscapes, like I worked in the Santa Cruz Mountains region, they're owned and managed by these cross-section of different government agencies and uh, academic institutions and nonprofits and, and also private landowners and timber companies and tribal groups. And you know, have to bring everybody together to figure out what we agree on that there is a lot of you know, shared value and care for the land you know there's a lot they disagree on and it's important to acknowledge that too but you know when you bring folks together and actually connect them together and figure out you know, we can look at the entire system say how can we conserve this landscape in a way that supports all of what we care about there's a lot that you can do together you can't do alone and you know that's been the case in a lot of different fields like you know a health system there i worked at ucsf health system uh building a network to 
advanced whole patient care there. And, you know, it's a massive system and there's 10 different sites and 12 different health disciplines and there's an existing hierarchy, but the people across these different sites and health disciplines don't have really a way of connecting with each other around an issue they care about. And so you can build a network kind of that works alongside an existing hierarchy to connect people across the ecosystem in ways that the hierarchy can't. And on these big complex issues like, you know, advancing economic opportunity or revitalizing a city, again, there's not any single organization you can do it alone. And so you have to kind of take a systemic view and take action on the problem systemically, which means working across organizations and across sectors. And there hasn't been much of like a collaborative infrastructure that works across organizations and across sectors. You know, most people are really siloed and kind of working in one particular organization. And uh, there's very little incentives for them to kind of work with and coordinate with other organizations because they're really focused on their own work and their own mission and you know, fundraising for their own uh, organization. And the incentives haven't been there to kind of step back and see the full picture and, and work in that way. And so that's what we help groups do. Been doing that for about 10 years, founded Converge through that which is a group of people, a network, people who support these impact networks. And, you know, from that, one of my colleagues and co-founders at Converge, Zach, started getting into Web3 and uh, co-founded Coordinate last year, which is a protocol for decentralized resource distribution. And, you know, I've been tracking that work. And as I finished up my book, I was really kind of, figure out where I wanted to plug in next and what I thought could have the biggest impact. And, you know, I feel like as far as I see, this space is it right now. And you know, there's so much happening and uh, it's, there's already the, the ethos and the values of decentralization that I've been you know, pushing for and, and calling for in the social impact space for so long. And, and the way that people are organizing in DAOs uh, just, you know, aligns so well with the work that I've been doing and, and I'm excited about. Uh, so I'm just looking and curious about uh, how I can make a contribution in this space. I think the future is here. Nice. This is great to hear. And like, yeah, we've been waiting for people like you to, because we, yeah, we got this fancy new technology, but uh, most of the people using it, like have no idea about like actual decentralized organizing or building networks. And now it's becoming big enough that we can yeah, we're starting to attract people who like have real experience. And I think the, you know, the combination of the two, the, the human community organizing with the technology is where, you know, a lot of potential and a lot of the magic lies. Like the, you know, the technology without humans is just tech and feel like it can support coordination pretty well, but ultimately it's going to come down to people, you know, people working with other people. And that presents a lot of challenges, you know, and you know, people have been organizing in networks and in community for forever, you know, for thousands of years, for generations. And, you know, we can look at how social movements were organized and we can look at how, you know, communities come together. And there's a lot we can learn from how people have just naturally connected with and coordinated with other people when there isn't 
a power hierarchy that exists that kind of fits people into specific roles and uh, dictates the decisions. Uh, without that, you you can organize in much more emergent and, and fluid ways uh, that really you know, builds on the connections that people are making, the conversations that they're having, you know, the things that are naturally emerging uh, in terms of what they could do together. And you can build sort of then just enough structure around that to support that work. And I think the technologies that you referred to that are here now allow us to do that at much larger scales than ever before. It allows us to do it asynchronously, you know, across organizations, across nations. So I think it opens just up an entire new possibilities in terms of how we can create these types of networks for purpose and, and build things in decentralized ways without that hierarchy. Right. You don't have to get uh, an organization to become like this. Like you build a network in parallel with all of these organizations and the network is a, a group of people and organizations. And if we have uh, strong enough values and strong enough vision and all of that, like the hierarchies don't matter. Like the network will get its point across and like what it wants to do, uh, no matter how many like strings it has to pull through other through people who are inside of these different organizations and like act outside of the hierarchies and things will get done. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, natural hierarchies will emerge or uh, it's called a heterarchy. Like people will step into leadership roles if they have you know, more expertise on an issue or more experience with a particular thing or, or they're just looked to by their peers as you know, a key influencer on a specific topic uh, or someone who would be really good to lead a specific project. And, but those emerge from you know, the, the people that are already there. We don't need to sort of predetermine where people fit and exactly what roles they play. Can we be more self-determined and self-organized in that way? And, uh, and that really, I think, unleashes a lot of the creativity and, and also energy that people would bring to wanting to create and contribute to something. You're right. I wanted to go back to like the what even got you into this was it the the case with the forest the and the wildfire was it like the first the decentralized organization like the the network that you were working on they were you working on anything before was the specific case what got you into it or were you also interested in decentralized coordination in general and yeah yeah going way back you know i was looking for how i was going to spend my life and career and i uh, first worked in a a corporation and, and really quickly has like, this isn't for me. Uh, you know, I, I can't spend all my time making money for somebody else. You know, all the, all the time I was contributing was ultimately, you know, rewarding shareholders or the people in the C-suite. And it's like, I can't do that. So I got to work for purpose somehow. And so I started working in a nonprofit and a nonprofit does awesome work and serves a lot of people and makes difference huge difference in people's lives but i was also seeing when i was there that you know it was working in this massive broken system it was a you know nonprofit to train people without shelter homeless men and women to get jobs in the culinary industry in the food industry and again like changing their lives but you know working in this massive broken system where there are just so many people without affordable shelter i'm 
living here in Seattle, uh, and it's been a huge challenge. And uh, this organization, while well, they were kind of addressing the symptoms of this broken system. And so I got really curious about how you could affect the system as a whole and get to some of the root causes of big issues like that. So that led me to a social impact consulting firm. I just wanted to learn and see what approaches were emerging, kind of creating change at a systemic level. Uh, you, like, uh, when was that? Like, how long ago was that? Uh, about 11 years ago. Okay. And pretty quickly when I was there, I started to get exposed to different organizations who were increasing their impact by not scaling up a bigger and bigger organization, but scaling out through their connections and by collaborating with others. Like an organization was offering its kind of core program so that other organizations could deliver that under their own brand. So the initial organization wasn't getting the credit that they deserved, but they were drastically increasing their reach and their impact through all these other organizations across the country that were delivering their program and reaching more and more people. But then I also started to see networks that were forming that intentionally connected many, many different organizations across sectors, private organizations, government agencies, nonprofits around you know, big complex issues. And these networks were actually staffed. Uh, so they had people whose dedicated role was to improve coordination between these organizations and figure out what they could do together that they couldn't do alone. An example of that is the REAMP network, which connects now about 140 organizations across all sectors to eliminate carbon emissions in across nine Midwestern states in the United States. And they had huge success in terms of they shut down 140 coal plants. They stopped all new coal plants from being built. They passed energy efficiency policies and transportation energy policies in, the, in a number of these states. And that was really sort of a light bulb moment for me that it was possible to work not in a particular organization, but across organizations and bringing kind of the skills and the assets and the resources that different people have that had been focused on their particular organization, but bringing them together in a way that you know, looks at the larger issue of producing carbon emissions in that case, which all these organizations cared about, but they weren't kind of coordinating at the scale that was necessary to address the issue. And from that experience, I realized that this is really what I wanted to get into. And I thought there was huge potential in this type of work. And so about 10 years ago then, started working in Fresno, California, helping to build a network of leaders across sectors to revitalize their city. And Fresno is, uh, produces 40% of all the fruits and vegetables that are consumed in the United States. But uh, at the time it was also ranked number one con highest concentration of poverty in the country. One of the most challenged places in the country and we realized that people there were doing incredible work, but they weren't connected in the way that they could be. And there was a lot of distrust between different groups and organizations. And, and that distrust was getting in the way of their ability to, to coordinate and collaborate in ways that they 
might have been able to. And I was there for three years as a coordinator for this network and, and saw that when you are able to bring people together, build relationships, find those shared values that connect them together, recognize that there's a lot that they disagree about, but also a lot that they agreed about. They all wanted you know, safer streets. They all wanted cleaner air. They all wanted more opportunity for their, for their kids or their communities. And when you also allow them then to be more open in terms of what they share, be more open in terms of what they hear from other people, they recognize there's a lot that they could do together. And it, it created some really innovative types of projects that couldn't have been predicted before. And so that was my first experience in networks. And then that led me to supporting the networks of organizations to conserve a million or half a million acres of land in the Santa Cruz mountains region. And then got the opportunity to be a network coordinator in a few other cases, but through my work with Converge helped build dozens of different impact networks and support a bunch of others. Uh, so I've been really lucky to have the experience of seeing and working with dozens of these different efforts and seeing that while there's so much that's different between them, the people are different and their focuses are different and what they are trying to do is different. There was so much that was similar in terms of how they began and uh, the leadership that was required to work in decentralized ways and uh, the types of structures that were needed to support their work. And, and then also seeing the work that my colleagues in Converge were doing and then all over the world. That's what led me to, to write this book, to try to bring together these, you know, what are the shared patterns uh, across these different decentralized ways of working and, and bringing collection of works from across the field and from you know, looking at social movements and looking at community organizing and bringing this all together for how can we, how can we work together across kind of the traditional boundaries that, that divide us and that hold us back, which, you know, again, brought me into web three and, and the ways that DAOs are forming now to, to do just that. I think uh, there's a lot of resonance there. And so that was my path in to networks. This is a great path. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit windy road, but it was pretty early on that I recognized that, you know, we have to be able to work at unprecedented scales and in unprecedented ways to address the, the unprecedented issues that we face. If we stay in our individual organizations and, you know, are only focused on our one piece of the puzzle or our slice of the issue without ever coordinating at larger scales and kind of seeing the whole picture, there's, I don't think we're ever going to have a chance to really meaningfully address the the complex and systemic issues that we face you know, we have to be able to work together across these divides right. and would you say one of the one of the patterns that you recognize is that these networks all have like at least a few people who are really like paid to push forward or are there also like successful examples where people are like completely uh, driven only by their like how do you say like not internally driven can get the word, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. That's, it's a great question. Like a lot of these will sort of, a lot of people think that these efforts spontaneously just happen, that people just spontaneously self-organize. And while that happens, it usually only goes so far and it's, and it's often pretty rare. I think it is my belief that leadership 
always matters. It's just a different type of leadership than we see in hierarchical environments. And that doesn't mean that there need to be paid staff or people whose only job is to support the network. But it's not that also that there's any individual leader necessarily, but a lot of people, the leadership is distributed and a lot of people are stepping into different types of leadership roles to do different things like to number one, catalyze the network in the first place. Like who is the person or group who's bringing people together in the first place and who sees the need to work more systemically, you know, the act of catalyzing and convening people for the first time is a, is a real key leadership role. Another is facilitating you know, the conversations, you know, who is the person who's, you know, making sure that, you know, people are able to contribute and as is thinking of the agenda for the discussion. So it's a valuable use of time. You know, weaving, a lot of people can play this role, but it's a really important leadership role in this type of work of, of connecting people together and connecting thoughts together and, and finding the places where better coordination might be possible and helping to weave those different efforts together. And I think, again, leadership matters, but it's distributed. People can step up into leadership in different ways. And I do think there needs to be somebody who's focused on the network as a whole and not just their particular piece of the work and another key leadership aspect is coordination and the, like the back of the house you know the operations you know, who are the people who are providing the you know, setting up the communication infrastructure that people need to to coordinate their efforts who's the you know, people who are talking with each people who or group who's involved and seeing where there's overlap and helping to them to find kind of the shared purpose and the values that that unite them. So in every successful network I've seen, there are particular individuals who are taking on more responsibility than others to steward the the development of, of the network and at the same time sharing that responsibility completely with others. You know, rather than kind of the command and control approach that we see in hierarchical organizations, it's really more about connecting and finding ways to collaborate. And it's you know, supporting people, not telling people what to do, but supporting them to discover what they can and want to do together. Right. So I would say definitely this, this still like uh, inspiring people is more important than having people who are paid to push things forward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't need to be, you know, a paid role, but it helps if it is, because then that person feels like, you know, this is my job, it's my dedicated responsibility, you know, or a team of people, or, you know, using something like coordinate to say, you know, we have a pool of resources to support, you know, coordination and all the, the facilitation and back of the house stuff that's needed to support this network. And that can be distributed among the people who are, you know, you know, fulfilling those responsibilities and, and supporting the development of the network itself. You know, I think that would be a valuable way to incentivize people to take on these roles. Yeah, yeah, because like <laughs> there's definitely needed roles. And what I've like experienced so far is that like the more decentralized it is, the more people are just focused on their individuals, individual little parts of the work. And there's less and less like strategic thinking and like alignment on on working towards a singular uh, goal. Totally, which is you know why you need that person or or people to 
to then help see that and then bring bring people together who are focused on their particular parts so that there is you're connecting the dots you're bringing the different pieces of the puzzle together and kind of looking at the whole picture uh, and saying how does this all connect it's like the you know use a metaphor it's like an air traffic controller they're not telling the planes where to go necessarily or or they're not telling the pilots how to do their job but they're they're seeing where all these different parts of the system are flowing and they're making sure that they're working in such a way that they're not going to crash into one another and they're going to actually be able to you know kind of work together effectively and you can think of it as so sort of as a gardener you know gardens uh, you can't force them to grow uh, you can't tell plant exactly what it's going to look like uh, but you can provide nutrients you can provide water and you can provide pollinators and you can even provide a bit of structure so that the plants can hold on to the trellis as they grow kind of providing like just enough structure you know if you overwater the garden and if you kind of try to impose yourself too much on nature then you might mess things up so you you're not kind of forcing or directing the work so much as seeing what people are interested in and what inspires them where they're interested in contributing and then helping to kind of weave those different parts together so that they're mutually reinforcing and so that they're uh, they can be both self-directed and autonomous but also coherent around kind of the shared vision or purpose of what it is that you're collectively building it's definitely a thin line Yeah, the more the more that individuality is encouraged, the harder it is to coordinate on on the overall stuff because everybody has their own vision for how things should work, and everybody's vision should be considered. And so yeah, it's <laughs> challenging work. Totally, it is. It's it's challenging. It's really challenging, and that's you know why I think we we also need to connect people together who are doing this type of work because it is there's a lot of tensions that you'll face and there is very rarely a single right or wrong answer instead it's a number of sort of polarities that you're going to be noticing and navigating in this work like you said like one of the polarities or tensions is between divergence and convergence you know, we the divergence is we we want to see the different perspectives that people are bringing you know we care about the that people are able to pursue kind of their different creative interests and and contribute in the ways they want to contribute but also those need to converge in some way and they need to you know somehow be mutually reinforcing and learning from one another and efforts need to tie, tie together into a bigger picture another is you know participation and pace you know, it's we want to include a lot of people in this work but you know if you completely open it that so that anybody can hop in at any time that also presents some real challenges and you know making sure that people are on board in the right way that they're uh, contributing to something that's valuable for the whole ecosystem and that they're uh, kind of building on the work that's already been done and and sometimes you know, organizing around smaller groups is uh, is better because you can have more kind of focused conversations and focused work or intimate conversations or it's easier to track all the things that are happening there's there's a lot of these sort of tensions that network leaders or community managers or whatever you want to call them face in this type of work and you know it's it's not as simple as being able to just tell people what to do right and fit them in to their role because uh, you 
you also want to encourage the self-organizing nature of these efforts. And that's what uh, a lot of the reason why people were engaging in the first place, uh, but, uh, but also making sure those threads you know, weave together in a, in a way that makes sense. Though it is, it's tough work. Yeah. I think it's good to have those like bounded spaces, like uh, really well-described playgrounds and uh, dedicated spaces for it, discussing everything so that people don't just come into a call that's meant to be about, uh, I don't know, like community building or marketing and talk about whatever else because they just happen to jump in. Right. Have you seen that in the places you've worked? <laughs> people just, uh, I mean, the first organization, that are, the essential organization that really worked in, not just like popped in, is Metagame. And especially if you're completely opening people who don't even know that the meeting is happening, just see, oh, oh, there's a bunch of people in this voice channel and they will just jump in and be like, hey, how are you doing? How are you guys doing? And yeah, that's that's cool. I hope you're doing well too, but <laughs> there's a meeting going on. Right. There's context. There is, you know, a history of conversations that have happened. Uh, I think the issue of participation is one of the most challenging for networks and decentralized organizations like this, because, you know, there is a real ethos of, you know, wanting people to jump in and contribute and that's important, but, but also they need something to plug into that makes sense you know, for the whole. And so most of the networks that I've helped build, they, they tend to start smaller and grow thoughtfully over time as it becomes more and more clear of you know, where additional contribution is, is needed. And they are bounded in some way, and it might be a porous boundary. You know, it might allow people to to jump in, but but there's there's something that connects people together. You know, a community without any kind of boundary is sometimes not a community at all. It's necessary to create, I think, boundaries that are thoughtful, so that you know, groups are able to relationships with one another to become more aligned with one another to have those kind of history of conversations and contexts that you were you know referencing and then you know meaningfully thoughtfully including more and more people as the opportunities are there for them to contribute in a real way which was also going to be more rewarding for that person it's it's a challenging balance though because you know there is a desire to make them really open and and allow anybody to jump in so again it's another one of those tensions right yeah and especially with like something as new as DAOs and with people who like don't know about how it actually works with doing something like this and they're like oh no it should be completely centralized it should be permissionless which is kind of a crypto value just being plugged into this anybody should be able to just jump in and all that yeah i think it's a nice ethos, but it presents real challenges in terms of actually getting work done and actually building you know, the relationships that aren't just building relationships for relationships sake, but relationships for action. You know, people don't need to like each other or agree with each other, but you need at least a baseline foundation of goodwill or respect or trust so that you know, when miscommunications come up, we can dig into those together, you know, we, so that when disagreements arise, and there are always going to be disagreements that we can hold attention to those disagreements to find, you know, a way forward, or at least have a better appreciation of each other's perspectives. And it's really hard to build those types of relationships when there's just a constant stream of new people who are jumping in. And 
Uh, and it's hard to have kind of a single conversation at a time. You know, there was a study that the decision-making capacity of a group is down 10% every person you add after seven people. And the ideal group size for good creative decisions is somewhere between five and seven. Uh, and each additional person you add, it de decreases the decision-making capacity of that group. And I found that it's, it's really hard to have a single conversation at a time in groups larger than 12 when it's a really well facilitated conversation i think you can get to groups up to 24 or even more but it just gets harder and harder with the more people add to have a single conversation at a time that stays focused and that stays you know oriented around some thing that you're trying to decide on it just gets hard and so i think that's going to be a big challenge for DAOs is how do you create spaces that allow people to jump in and contribute, but also still kind of maintain enough of boundaries to make it feel like being part of the community means something, that people have the shared context and shared values that are needed, uh, and so that people are able to have you know, the same conversation and, and build relationships with others in ways that support the work. That's going to be a big challenge. Yeah, I think uh, a big part of it goes back to what I said previously, like making it uh, more bounded and well explained, like this, like starting from the what the whole uh, network is about to like what are the rules of engagement and like what are these different spaces and uh, to like what are the responsibilities and the roles being well written out or, like these are the archetypal roles and this network needs uh, facilitators it needs people who will like weave networks and like all of these different pieces need to exist and just make it as easy as possible for people to get uh, up to speed on that context just uh, uh, read talk to other people like have a good onboarding system where people are introduced to how all of this fits together and makes it as easy as possible for them to find their place in the network yeah Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And I think those are all sort of uh, ways that leadership shows up in these types of networks or decentralized organizations. Like you know, who are the people who are setting up those onboarding structures or helping to, to loop people in and make sure this, those different systems are set up. You know, leadership can kind of like ebb and flow and come and go. And people might step into different leadership roles at different times and then just go back to being a participant like anybody else or a contributor like anybody else. But you know, there you, you see those types of moments where leadership is really key. And it's leadership so that people can self-organize more effectively in ways that are both you know, creative and vibrant, but also coherent uh, and make sense collectively. So I think you know, having those people who are really thinking about the whole and how can how can the whole fit together in a way that inspires individuals but also you know leads to the creation of something that's special and that works well and that makes sense. It's just such a key component of, I think, what makes these types of decentralized efforts work. Right. And it's a role, like it's kind of a process, like the way that, like there's no single, single great way to do it, but uh, it can be described in a bunch of ways. Like what are the things that uh, you should be doing if you want to play this kind of a role? And it doesn't have to be like a full-time role. It doesn't have to be longer than a week or a day if you need to be a leader for a day but uh, yeah having playbooks and uh, well explained different heads that people can just put on 
and uh, do the work that needs to be done and then yeah move on i think there are a few key principles for network leadership that kind of regardless of the specific role they play i've seen that they hold uh, these four principles one is around holding those dynamic tensions or polarities that i was talking about just an example of another one is you know, building relationships versus kind of taking action like both are important and people are often going to come into these efforts uh, wanting to get to action and that makes sense in a lot of contexts but also we need to have conversations understand each other's point of view and, uh, and build relationships and that's important but holding dynamic tensions is one uh, embracing change you know these these efforts are always gonna kind of evolve there it's you can't predict the path ahead very accurately uh, it's really hard to think you know more than six months ahead uh, certainly uh, because things are just going to naturally change as more people become engaged as you kind of run into uh, obstacles and you're going to have to sort of shift you know, your strategies and bob and weave and, and embrace an emergent approach to strategy as opposed to only a deliberate strategy so embracing change promoting or fostering self-organization like creating spaces so that people can self-organize to move forward uh, the work that they care about in a way that makes sense again is coherent and then promoting emergence uh, which is about uh, bringing people together bringing their divergent perspectives together seeing where there's overlap and out of that creates something new and again that's really holding lightly to the vision of the future that you have because it will probably change as more people become engaged and as you know work moves forward and it's sort of the difference between having a map and a compass. We're moving into uncharted territory, places that nobody's traveled before. And so there's not a map that's we're gonna be able to refer to that tells us exactly where to go or exactly you know, where different obstacles are. Instead, we can have a compass, which points us in a certain direction. And we all have you know, a shared understanding of, of where we're trying to uh, end up together, but you know, as we move forward, there might be obstacles in our way. There might be rivers, there might be mountains, and we're going to have to navigate those as we, uh, as we come to them. So we can you know, hold that kind of future vision of what we want to create together, but we have to be willing to shift our path along the way. And as the saying goes, cross the river by feeling for stones. That's a great way to put it. I feel like we've covered a lot and don't even have any specific next question actually i could uh, i could ask you like if you would be up for writing a playbook about this a playbook yeah we have a project called playbooks which is about writing these sort of like really short posts about doing things so like 10 steps to get involved in the DAO space as a writer or something like that and this could be something like the four things to you should be doing if you want to be a DAO leader or something like that yeah I'd be happy to write something like that. Could uh, take some of the content that's in this book. This was a huge effort. I didn't really realize what I was getting myself into with writing a book. Uh, to be honest, it's been like four and a half years, but I'm glad I did because it really helped me organize my thoughts in a way I hadn't before, and kind of take everything that I'd learned and seen in this work and and read and fit it together in a way that makes sense and can be shared. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, I'd be happy to to create some kind of content like that. Awesome. Yeah, it works as a 
promotion for the book as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's no point in, I guess, writing a book if nobody's going to use it <laughs> or read it. So that's my inspiration for getting the word out there. I hope people find it valuable. Yeah, so far, I, it's good. I like it. Awesome. Appreciate it. Uh, do you want to tell a bit more about the DAO stewards? Uh, sure. This is really early days, but it's really, again, an effort to see... There are a lot of different efforts happening across this ecosystem. There are a lot of people who are leading in DAOs and leading in decentralized ways. And as you said, that's really challenging. It's a form of leadership that a lot of us haven't been exposed to or weren't trained in. You know, we often schools are really focused on you know individual, you know, competitive types of leadership and not more open, decentralized, and collaborative forms of leadership that I think this requires. So I think the only way to to learn how to do this is number one, to just do it, to just kind of jump in and engage with these types of networks and DAOs and you know, step into different forms of leadership there. But the second is to you know, kind of learn in community with others who are also facing similar issues. And then to help improve coordination across the space, you know, between different DAOs and kind of look again at the whole ecosystem and say you know what are the things we could only do together that we can't do alone so i think that's the potential i see here um it's you know related to kind of leadership networks in really any field in any space there are networks of people who represent different parts of the system who are able to support one another who are able to you know, coordinate with one another and to collaborate uh, in new ways. And so that's really the, the vision of the Out Stewards Network, which is sort of a working title, I'm sure is going to be renamed at some point. So we'll see how it evolves. Again, it's really early days, but uh, just it's an effort to kind of create spaces for, for DAO leaders to come together and support each other in, in this work that they're doing and, and see if there are things they could do together that could benefit the whole ecosystem. Awesome. Yeah, I love the the, I mean, it wasn't the first call, but it was the first call for me. And yeah, I think it was great. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I, I want to get more of your thoughts on uh, what would make it a really you know, valuable use of your time. What do you think is necessary or what do you think is most needed for, for the, the space right now? That's a good question. Do you want me to give some feedback right away? Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, what do you think is most needed in, in the Web3 ecosystem right now or with respect to DAOs? I think in general, more collaboration for sure, because we have this whole, oh yeah, Web3, it's super collaborative. It's all about positive sum games, blah, blah, blah. So I like, yeah, the whole idea of DAO stewards, I think is what's needed to, to try and bring more people together. And uh, yeah, as you say, it like it's all starts from building the connection between the people and yeah creating a space yeah and i think you know as we were talking about before like anybody who would participate in it is already super busy they're focused on their thing you know as they should be they're focused on their individual DAO and all the responsibilities they have so you know there needs to be a dedicated person or people or you know resources to support sort of coordination for the whole network for figuring out where different efforts can be tied together to 
create just enough structure so people can have the conversations they want to have and uh, collaborate in, in new ways. Somebody who's seeing the whole picture and, tie, and helping to tie it together. And I'm not saying that's me, but I want to create the place where you know that's possible, uh, where more people can also step into helping to coordinate uh, this sort of network of networks, right? We think of DAOs as you know, individual networks that are connected with a lot of different people and they're focused on advancing a particular uh, thing or vision. You know, if we connect the people who themselves are already hubs of existing networks or leaders in their DAOs, then you're really creating a network of networks, which has been called a movement network. And that's really the form that social movements have often taken, where there are individual kind of chapters or groups who are focused on their local work, they're totally autonomous, they're able to make decisions that make sense for their, their community. But at the same time, they're connected together and there are maybe shared values or principles that, that hold them together that they want to hold themselves and each other accountable to. They're learning from one another. They're sharing information when opportunities arise. They're you know, sharing needs and, and coordinating their efforts. And, and then when the moment is right, they're able to mobilize and have you know, move on something, on leverage points, on places where you know, a concentrated effort on one thing can make really big changes for everyone and kind of big ripple effects throughout the whole system. And that, which is what I, I really see the potential of here is creating, you know, again, like just enough structure to support the development of a network of networks that can serve individual DAOs as well as the whole ecosystem. And to your question that you posed on Twitter, you know, what is it all for? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's hard enough even even without that question because like the people who can make the most impact and like uh, who have the most context into their organizations are people who are generally like <laughs> the busiest and uh, yeah they have least time to jump into this sort of effort that are like interorganizational and it's it's just hard I know like <laughs> with metagame is. It's so hard to coordinate uh, internally then like then you also need to think about uh, collaborating with other organizations and it's it's... Oh, it's it's so tough yeah exactly which is why i think you know it needs to be something that serves the self-interest of the people involved and that you know anytime that these networks form it's time and attention is always one of the most challenging thing because any participant you know already has tons of responsibilities and and doing their own work. And, and so it's always about how do you make these types of efforts not only serve the shared interest that often brings people together, but really importantly, the self-interest that people come with and really acknowledging and honoring self-interest. How can we make sure that this supports your existing work and the things you're already doing and already care about? And I believe that uh, and in all the networks I've worked with, there are often very immediate ways that you can find quick wins uh, to kind of connect the dots and support each other's existing work. And that helps to create you know, a first step towards continuing to engage because it's not an extra thing you have to do. It's really something that's serving your work and then also serving the larger system, which relates to the, the work that you're doing or the efforts that you care about. 
So I think acknowledging and honoring and making sure it serves, it serves people's self-interest is, is a key part of it and is going to be sort of a scaffolding along the way to creating new things that, that serve uh, the whole ecosystem. Right. Yeah, I love the that that part of the call existed and it wasn't like as it usually is that uh, people are like everybody is invited to first introduce themselves and then people kind of are afraid to put their own like what they need and what they offer directly into that but they do talk about like their project and uh, like instead we just create a space okay now we will all, all share what uh, what do we offer and what do we need and it's simple and it's it's inviting and yeah i love it ah awesome yeah i'm glad to hear that yeah you can create kind of really simple quick mechanisms for connecting the dots in that way that's what i think you know a facilitator and you know, network coordinator can provide is you know also connecting individually with people and seeing where there's potential for them to you know, learn from one another or maybe they're working on a similar issue and and help connect the dots and again in ways that serves the work that people are already doing and already caring about so it's it's really providing valuable to them because you know when we're addressing kind of big systemic challenges it's not going to happen overnight it takes time to create change at systemic level and and so kind of on that path you need to make sure that people are engaging in ways that is valuable for them and uh and they can see it, it serves their existing work and it's not like another thing they have to do but it's something that they actually want to do uh, because it's benefiting them and also you know creating potentially change in, in new ways right and uh, yeah what you also mentioned in the book about this step is how it uh, starts uh, kickstarts this uh, culture of uh, reciprocity and uh, exchange of stuff like, yeah. yeah exactly yeah i love that you brought that in and it's kind of shifting it away from a transactional uh, relationship you know i'm not you know, directly accounting i'm only giving back you know what i've gotten from you but you can sort of create actually a culture of reciprocity across the whole network so that maybe the the value or a help i'm getting from somebody else i'll give that back to the network it might not go back to that individual person but i'm seeing it's called complex reciprocity uh, where it's not sort of one on one but it's it's me with the whole. So I'm getting value from you know, the whole network or from an individual network. And then I'm also uh, sharing what I can offer. And then I'm offering my time to others and it gives back and it creates this, uh, you know, a whole gift economy or a, as you said, a culture of reciprocity that also yields greater trust and then makes it even more likely that people are going to share their honest failures and their honest needs, which maybe they wouldn't be comfortable in, in different spaces. And, and it creates a community of, of support uh, that people might not have another place. Right. I'm glad you brought that up. Wow, it's already, it's already been almost an hour that we've been here. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say one more thing that uh, I had, I got the idea that uh, we should put the, maybe the DAO stewards up on Gitcoin. They have the quadratic matching campaign uh, starting soon. And it sounds like a worthy cause to put it up and yeah, maybe get some funds and then those funds can get redirected to the people who do useful things in the network. Uh, that's cool. I, I love that. 
I think it'll be important to, to resource the different ideas and, and things that come out of it so that more people can be drawn in so that people are compensated for their time to create kind of shared content or shared you know, materials or whatever it is uh, for the ecosystem. So yeah, I'd love to find a way to be able to resource that work that emerges from the network. Cool. Yeah, we can try starting with that and see how it goes. Sounds good. I'll look to your leadership on that. Okay, okay. <laughs> so there's one question that I, I like to ask every guest, which is that uh, if you had one advice to give to Metagame, what would it be? I think it would relate to something we've talked about, but it would be create opportunities for people to step into leadership roles in a variety of ways to recognize that leadership does matter in these decentralized contexts, but that doesn't mean that it's held by a single person. It really can and should be distributed among a bunch of people, but still recognized as leadership. People are stepping up to support something that they find important, but doing it in collaboration with others and sharing that responsibility with others. And it's a, it's a role of some of the earlier leaders of these networks and decentralized efforts to create spaces and opportunities for other people to then step into leadership so that it isn't dependent on any single person and it's you know more decentralized and there's not any one person who's critically needed or in control such that if they left the, the effort would crumble and early on you know that's sort of inevitable uh, that there's one or sometimes a group of people who are critical but you know as much as possible creating opportunities and spaces for other people to step into leadership and be recognized uh, for that work in whatever way that's that that is So sharing leadership and creating spaces for more people to step into leadership. Well said. That's a great advice. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. It was awesome to connect. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for coming on. This was awesome. Of course. Anytime. All right. See you around, man. Hi, yeah, man. Thank you. That was fun. <laughs>